hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia, and welcome to another edition of the Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Carey, and alongside me is Michael Imami and Logan France. We got big news to talk about. We're going to dive right into it first. Melvin Gordon is back for the Chargers. What do you guys think? Not expected. Not expected? Not wow. expected. Wow. Not expected. I expected him to come back simply because he needs that full season to count to um, an accrued season to count towards free agency. So I expected to come back. What I didn't expect was him to come back this early. My head said that he would come back. My heart said he didn't. And unfortunately, I have to listen to my head in this case because I think it would make more sense for him to come back. I know I had predicted it, but I said, you know what? I think the Chargers might trade him because I think that might be better off for him considering that they seem pretty much okay at the running back position at this point. But if you're L.A. right now, um, this is not your problem really to deal with. I think it's more of a problem that Gordon has to deal with. I think he is a very, very good running back. But at this point, as you said, Logan, you're right. I mean, he needed that more than anything else. He really lost his leverage when Austin Eckler started playing like a god. Like That's an understatement. He, he had no leverage because they were fine at the running back position. They didn't need him. The, Melvin Gordon needed the Chargers at this point more than the Chargers needed Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's it becomes an issue where, you know, it, it becomes a thing where it's like, does the team need me or do I need the team? And in a lot of cases when, you know, you need the team more than the team needs you, that's going to be a serious issue, right? Because, you know, they have this money. They got to pay guys. And, you know, running backs, I think, are, are, are really kind of recycled around the league. I think that they're not a, a, a really a position that you keep for a really long time. Of course, unless you're the next Barry Sanders or the next Emmett Smith, they're not something that you're going to have for a very long time. So this is this is um, this makes sense to me if you're Melvin Gordon right now. Uh, I, I just I don't know if you'll really bring all that much to the Chargers with with what they already have. Right. Like as Logan said, Eckler's been playing great. I don't he's been see playing out of his mind. He's he'll he'll still be the number one running back. In my in my mind will be Eckler and then Gordon will get some carries on the side. But Gordon's gonna be coming in a little rusty. He hasn't played a game all season. Didn't even show up to some practices. It's just more of I'm gonna give the ball to the guy who's been here the entire time, who knows what's going on, other than the guy who just decided to come back. Right. I wouldn't treat him any differently. Yeah, I tend to agree with that as well. And Anthony Lynn did say that this week he's doubtful that Gordon will play, but he'll likely be on the field next week. So I think they're going to work on getting him acclimated this week in practice, and then we'll see what happens from there. How much do you guys think it'll help the Chargers having Gordon back? I mean, I don't really think it'll help all that much because, as you said, and Logan, to your point, you've said they've already have that position down with Eckler, so they don't really need any more. I think this is a case where they have more than they need at this point. If you look at the position right now that the Chargers are in, I mean, they're not, you know, they're not desperate. They're one and two. Granted, they do have two losses and one win, and they're below 500. They're playing at Miami, which we all know they'll probably steamroll because it's Miami, right. you know. So. They're not desperate. There's no there's no call to action here. There's no, you know, hey, we need something right now and we need it fast. I think it can be positive for the Chargers because they have a good threat in there with two guys. But as you said, he's rusty. He hasn't played a game all season. This could be problematic for them and for him. But as you said, Melvin Gordon is doing this for Melvin Gordon. He's not doing this for the Chargers. And the Chargers really don't need him at this point. I just think that this is kind of, you know, blah. It's just kind of happening. I, I can't really say that either side is truly desperate 
yeah, for anything. It, it seems to me like an embarrassment of riches at the position. I think you'll see a lot of what you saw last year with Gordon taking some carries and then Eckler also taking a lot of carries. If anything, it takes some pressure off of Phillip Rivers. But Keenan Allen's been playing super well. Rivers has been playing fine. So I don't think it matters too much. I mean, I don't really think that it's that anybody really wins here. I really don't. I think Gordon has to show up, and I think the Chargers really don't need him to show up. It becomes an issue where you have a guy that, you know, as you said, you don't really need is there. I mean, the question is, is do you pay him or not? You don't need the guy. You don't need any of that going on. But, and, and I mean, they've been playing okay. I mean, they have two losses and one win, as I said, but they've been playing okay. It's not like they've been horrible. So they have the position down. They have the quarterback. They have the running back position figured out. This is just kind of a confusion to me. I, I just, I think this just kind of hurts things more than helps them, in my opinion. All right, we're going to go to another topic here. A big surprise, for I think, for all of us here. A Thursday night game being good. Oh, it was really like, good. Oh, I'm watching that game. I'm, I'm, and I'm, of course, rooting against the Packers, you know, Bears fan. This is kind of right. what I do. I get and it. I was arguing with Michael, getting into it. He's like, oh, how could you be rooting for the Eagles? I have to deal with their fans all the time. It's, I get it. I didn't care. I still don't care. And you shouldn't. So I was rooting for them hardly last night. You should. And it was one of those games that was actually a lot of fun to watch. Usually Thursday night games are known for being terrible. Right. There's been so many of them that have just been, yeah, there's football. Am I going to watch it? Probably not. Someone's got to look that up. Do Thursday night games actually have the lowest ratings? I believe they do. It's a lot of people believe in just canceling it. I don't blame them. It shouldn't exist. It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I guess it's just kind of an extra day of football. I'm not, I'm down for that. But I think when this started, I believe it was 15 years ago. It just kind of, you know, didn't make much sense to me. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, yeah. last night was fun. They're, they're typically pretty low scoring, but this one was just not. It was actually a real fun game to watch. And Carson Wentz played played pretty well last night. He went 16 for 27, 160 yards and three touchdowns. Jordan Howard was really just started a game. He got two touchdowns, 15 carries, 87 yards. Did a whole bunch of other stuff as well in the receiving section. It was fun to watch the former Bear play good. I was rooting for him. I was like, that's one of my boys right there. And I felt good. I think that Carson Wentz stat line is made even more impressive when you look at the fact that Alshon Jeffrey was back, but they still had Deshaun Jackson out. So... It was a great game for Carson Wentz by that standard, considering what he had at um, wide receiver. They needed Alshon Jeffrey really badly. I mean, you could tell. If it was just 75% of Alshon Jeffrey, they really needed him. And I think last night in the red zone, that kind of came up, particularly with Carson Wentz and how he was playing. But the first thing that I want to bring up with the Eagles right now, if anything, is how good that defense played. And, Logan, we were discussing this before the show, and you were right, and I wasn't happy about it. But you, you said it. The Eagles have a top three rush defense in the NFL right now, and that really came to point because Aaron Rodgers, inside the five in the Eagles' red zone, they could not score a point. They couldn't score three. They couldn't score seven. They were stopped two straight drives, one of which ended in an interception. And I just wanted to bring this up because Aaron Rodgers, I believe, was close to 400 yards passing last night. 422 but, to be exact. Right. Actually, over 400 yards passing. But the Packers had no rushing attack. And I remember Joe Buck bringing this up where he said, you know what, it looks like the Eagles secondary is just barely hanging on. And I agree, they were. But however, that front was in Rodgers' face all game long, and they did force a, a game-sealing pick. And, and that's, game. that's why they were throwing on all those possessions in in, uh, in the last, their last, let me just try to get English going right. here first. <laughs> it's been a rough it's morning. Still morning. It's still morning. It's been a rough morning. But that's why you saw Aaron Rodgers throw four straight times when he was close to 
when he was close to the end zone there. And it was, they had no faith in their rush, they in their didn't. rush option there. They didn't. And in this league, you can't, I, I get it. I know we're, you know, moving away from the rush here and we're becoming more of a passing league, but you can't be one dimensional here. You have to be two dimensional. Yeah. And Matt LaFleur got a lot of criticism for pass, for passing at the goal line on all four downs. But I think at that point you had to. The rushing attack was not working. Aaron Jones did have a touchdown in that game. But I think he was going with what was working, and it was the passing attack, and it just ended up failing them. Also, Michael, to your point about the Eagles' corners being barely hanging on, I think that was in more ways than one because the Eagles lost Avante Maddox and right. Sidney Jones in this game. They currently have two healthy corners on their roster, and their names are Rasul Douglas and Craig James. So they need to make a move at corner, whether it's something big like trading for Jalen Ramsey or whether it's something small like signing some guy that's a free agent. They need to make a move, and they need to do it now. Now, I personally don't you know, hope that they go after Jalen Ramsey because that could cause a lot of problems uh, for me. But well, Your team's not going anywhere in the future, well, so right. just I just it. don't want to see the Eagles be successful. But I will give credit where credit is due. And I think I think this is a, a really, really good team right now in terms of the defensive pass, uh, the pass rush and, you know, the run stop. I think this is a very, very good team in terms of that. I think Wentz is a little bit overrated in some sense. I think he's more dependent on his receivers than his receivers are on him. But I will say... Last night was very, very impressive. Going into Green Bay and stopping Green Bay when you can in their home stadium on a primetime game is a tough thing to do. And they did it, and they won by seven points. So good for them. They deserve to win the game. More power to them, and I think they're a good team. The Eagles' pass rush could be a lot better, especially with how hurting that secondary is, but the run defense is doing wonders for them. All right, we're going to go to our games of the week. Here. We're going to start with our first one, Patriots and Bills, two undefeated teams. People are hyping this one up. They're going to say it's going to be really close. I like it. And by close, I mean Patriots win by a touchdown. But I don't know. Look, Buffalo hasn't exactly played all those great all great of teams. They, their record is good, but it's showing they've played bad teams, and they won those games, which is what good teams are supposed to do. But I'm not on board for this Bills hype train like a lot of other people are. I don't really see it, especially going against the Patriots. This is their first real challenge, so... Yeah, all three of Buffalo's opponents have a combined record of 0-9, which is not good, So, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> so they have their real—they've played by far, in my opinion, the easiest schedule in the NFL. So this will be a test for them. I think that defense is a very good defense, and I think Josh Allen is a fine quarterback for them, but they're going to have their work cut off for them. New England's defense has been playing like the best in the oh, league for the first two weeks. That. For the first three weeks. Look at the numbers. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about them having the easiest schedule in the NFL so far. That's debatable. The Bills? Yeah. All their What's, opponents are 0-9, Michael. What more do you need well, to hear? they're all 0-3, but combined well, 0-9. Some t- well, they play the at, Jets, Giants, and Bengals. Those are bad teams. Yeah, well, the Dallas Cowboys have played the Dolphins, Redskins. We're not Redskins. there yet, Michael. You can stop. I mean, I, listen look, to me. Cowboys are contenders. Get used to hearing it. I know you hate it, but well, get used to it. What, Deal what, with it. Can you look at the, okay, look at the talent pool here. All right? When you're... Dallas right now. You've played Miami, who is arguably the worst team that ever played a single NFL season so far. I don't think they're going to win a game this year, and I think that's an understatement. Worse than the the Browns? Worse than the Browns a couple years back, because the Browns actually made a game out of every 16 16 games that they've lost. And also, they played the Redskins, which are terrible. We all know that. And they also played the Giants, which without Daniel Jones would have been very, very bad. So, I will say this. I Logan, to your point, I can understand where you're coming from here. You're definitely right. They did play the Jets. They did play the Giants, who are bad. They did play the Bills. But they do have the Giants, which the Cowboys also played and beat. 
right? And they did play the Redskins, or they did not play. The Cowboys played the Redskins, which are winless at this point. And the Cowboys also played the Dolphins, who are horrible at this point. So I think the most overhyped team, and I'm, I'm saying this unbiased, by the way, because I, I have, I have the data to prove it here. I don't know. I have the data to prove it here. I don't know. The Giants it, it doesn't have sound won like a game. The Giants have won a game. The Giants have won a game. Oh, I forget. Yeah. I they're not forget all in nine. They're that. one so and eight. It's, it's one and eight. Oh, we got all. Dallas is tied with eight. them. And I think Dallas wins that debate of over the easiest schedule. Because every t- anytime you play Miami, I think I mean, that, both that teams goes have played to Miami. You. No, they haven't. The Bills both have not played, played Miami yet. The Gi- both teams have played the Giants, but Buffalo has not played Miami. Sorry, I'm not the Patriots. You could make a case that the Bills beat the Jets by one point. I mean, that could be That's not a good showing. Right, it's not. Against against the Eagles team. Against a Jets team that was without Darnold. That's true. So keep that in mind. Well, that was week week one Darnold was playing. It was after week one when he got mono. So they were playing a Jets team with Darnold. Who are we talking about right now? We're talking about the Browns. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then you're correct. Anyways, Anyways, go around the table, pick the game. I'm going with Patriots. They'll win by at least 10 points. I think it's just a safe pick to do. Michael, you're up. Uh, I just want to make this statement here. Um, I understand that last week's upset picks by me were not awesome, so I'm just going to go ahead and say something extremely controversial. Um, I think Buffalo has a shot at winning this game. Well, I mean, it's football. Everyone has a shot. Of course. but Even the Dolphins have a shot. I think I think matter how that, percentage it must be. Well, right. Low. I just... This is my upset pick, and I'll tell you why. Because, A, it's in Buffalo, and, B, Josh Allen's fun. I mean, this could be an interesting game from a lot of points. I like how you're really leaning into this being bad at picks thing. You just It, it didn't work for you. It hasn't worked for you lately. You're 3-8 and eight all time throughout the first three weeks. Three and eight, hey, at least yeah. I'm 500, eh? You're just throwing in the towel. Yeah, well, someone here is 8-3, and three, but we won't talk about that. Okay, <laughs> all right. Someone knows more football than both of us I'm, combined. I'm picking the Patriots to win this game. I think it's the safe pick, and I think it'll be the right pick. All right, next game here. Vikings and the Bears, two NFC North teams looking to establish themselves against the surging Packers for some reason, minus their loss last night. Surging Packers. Would, they're good. I didn't expect them to be this good. Now, part of that's a little bit of bias here. He's a Bears fan. Right. I have to admit it. I appreciate but, that. But I have to give credit where credit is due. Packers have been pretty good. This year, minus last night's showing of just no running at all. But this game, it'll it, I think it'll be a really good game. Bears are favored by only two points, so it'll be pretty much a pick 'em game. It features the top running back in the league, and I will say that boldly with Delvin Cook. The best running back in the league right now. I don't think it's I don't think that it's bold. Is, that's, that's not a bold statement he's because been, it's fact. Definitely this season he's been the best running back in the I, league. I, that, that statement has been met with some criticism because people are like, oh, Ezekiel Elliott's there it is. out there. I knew oh, you were going to go no, down okay, the path of the, me, of the Cowboys. Excuse no, me. No, okay. I, I saw this coming. Hold on. Hold I saw on. this coming. Oh, Todd I knew, Gurley. I knew oh, it was Ezekiel going Elliott. No, 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 no. Your first, your first name you were going to throw out was Ezekiel Elliott. Of course. I knew it was going to be. Of course that was the first name I was going to throw out there because he's Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he's, you know. Look at look at the name and where that come the the stuff that comes with it. He is arguably, I mean, he's very very good. And I think anybody b- before coming into this season and seeing Delvin Cook, I think people would have picked Zeke. But I will say, Delvin Cook has not had a game under a hundred yards yet this well, year. Well, you will have one this weekend. Maybe, maybe I I, I see that as a possibility because I, I'm not going to underestimate Chicago's defense, especially with the way they played on Monday night. So, you know what? 
I think that that's a possibility, but I think Delvin Cook is going to cause some problems for the Bears that I think the Bears have not had this year. And I think this is going to be a really, really good game, and I'm excited for it, especially because it's in Chicago. Yeah, Delvin Cook will be the X factor for the Vikings in this game because Vikings receiver, receivers over the past few years historically have not played well against the Bears, even when that defense was kind of rough and trying to find itself, find its identity. So Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen have largely been... Now, Diggs has actually been very good against the Bears. I'll take that one back. But Thielen is not produced. And is, Diggs is it because Amukamara is covering him? It might have been for the past couple of years, but even like 2013, Diggs just went off for like a 60-yard touchdown down the game. So it's been happening for years. And I think Diggs will be the guy to watch, except the Vikings aren't targeting him nearly as much with Thielen and Cook producing. So I think Dalvin Cook is really going to be the engine that makes this offense go this weekend. And I, and I think a big portion for, for the Bears at least is, one, that offense needs to continue with showing what it did last on, on Monday night. I don't think that's going to happen. And that defense has to stop Delvin Cook. You that's, play against that's, the Redskins. That's number one. Number one is you have to stop Delvin Cook if you want to win. Right. If they can stop him, they win. That's I what agree. I, say. I agree. But you know what? I don't think it's as dependent upon the offense because look what happened last week. Okay. Even against the Redskins, the expectation was over 300 yards, right? That didn't happen. Okay, and the Redskins out. I mean, they still won. Well, yeah, of course they didn't just win; they dominated. It's hard to get 300 yards when you're starting every drive in your opponent's territory. We the Bears defense forced five turnovers in that game. They scored 31 points, and they didn't get 300 yards the simply Redskins because defense, they were showing short drives. The Redskins defense actually did stop the Bears a couple times, and the Redskins also well, were allowed. Apparently, back. they didn't stop them all times. So still, well, they still hold on, a couple times didn't win the, the football game. Talk. Hold on a second. L- let me let me just explain something because this is this is to the Bears' point here. I want to make sure that Chicagoans understand this. Okay. The Redskins were allowed back in that game because of the way the Bears offense played. That is a concern for me. You don't get let when you force five turnovers in a game and you outgain your opponent. I believe it was like 175 to 12 in terms of yardage in the first half. And you are up 28 to three. You don't let your opponent back in the game. They okay, were, you don't do that. It's the Redskins. You don't do that. They were back in that game. They were back in that game for maybe a total of five minutes all night. I'm not talking about a problem with the Redskins here, and I'm talking about how great they played. I'm talking about how the Bears kind of backed off the gas pedal, and they can't do that. Okay, this is a significantly well, better Vikings team. What do you mean backed up? That they forced a fumble on fourth and one to pretty much ice the game. That's not backing off the gas pedal. The Nagy game should have been known- iced at the end of the second quarter. But it never is. That's just not how football works. It no, it should have worked. When you force five turnovers at that point, it should it should have been over. Actually, four to that point. Because if you're up twenty eight to three and the team barely is in the game, you don't allow a team to come back, score twice unanswered, and have it be twenty eight to thir- I think it was twenty eight to fifteen at that point. Again, they were That's back in the game from possession game. Yeah, yeah, they were back in the game for maybe a total of five minutes at the twenty yard line. If they had scored there, they could have been real but trouble, especially with seven didn't. minutes. Because the Bears' right. defense forced a turnover. It should have never happened. That's my point. And that can't but happen against Minnesota. But it did happen. Football happened. That's right. the point here. Exactly. That's exactly what it does. A, because I, it was a bad play call, because that's the Redskins coaching staff there for you. And B, because it's Case Keenum. I mean, that's really all I can think of. I mean, if you have Tom Brady, you're playing against Tom Brady and you're winning 28-3. to I mean, we saw that happen before against Atlanta. That didn't work. Tom Brady came back and beat him. That's I, want, I have concerns for I the Bears. Make, I want to make a point about the Bears offense because I haven't gotten the chance to yet. They do need to get something going. That's for sure. But Trubisky went or Trubisky Nagy went ahead and simplified this offense for Trubisky. It was a lot of quick reads, a lot of quick throws. 
He still made some throws with high degrees of difficulty. There was a seam pass down the middle to David Montgomery that he fit into a tight window. Obviously, that touchdown pass to Taylor Gabriel had the lowest chance of completion, that metric that they use. Probability of completion was the lowest it has been for any pass this season and any pass last season. It was a terrific catch by so Gabriel, though. It was a terrific catch. He, great body control, but also Trubisky put it where only his man could get it. Which he is overthrew some, receivers, though. A good quarterback. He did, and a he, lot of always, the time that game. he didn't. He always has, but I think that that needs to improve, and those quick reads will help with that, but I do want to see his deep ball improve. All right, around the table, pick your, pick your favorite in this game. I'm going Bears. I'm going Build Bears. Building off, off Monday night, I think they'll be fine. I think the Bears win this game 100%, but I think it's going to depend on how they stop Delvin Cook, if they stop Delvin Cook, which I think that will happen. And I think the offense, I hope, will play better than the way that they played on Monday night. I get it, Logan, to your point, but I hope that offense plays a little bit better. How are you going to make this point about the Bears offense? You think they'll regress this week and then turn around and pick Chicago in this game? Well, I didn't say that they would necessarily. On this, uh, Hold on, this takes here, before, before you throw the flag on the, mm. on the on the talk show here, I've already thrown it. Well, listen, all right. I think that this Bears offense will not necessarily the Bears defense. I don't think will force as many turnovers as they did last week. Which is going to force that offense, you know, force that offense's hand a little bit. But I think that Nagy has cleaned it up in some in some way. So I don't think they're going to regress. I think they're going to improve. I'm just saying that if they played the same way they did last week, I think they'll have a less chance, definitely, of them winning. Yeah, considering their opponent, it it depends on the turnovers because that was kind of the Bears' magic last year, and they recaptured it for at least one game. But whether or not it stays that way remains to be seen. I'm taking Chicago in this game. I think the offense still has a lot to show us, but ultimately, I think they'll end up taking it. All right, we got one more game to talk about, and then we're going to do our upset pick here. God's team taking on the Saints. We don't know God's right. team is the Dallas Cowboys. We were, we we already had some discussion about the Cowboys on the show already, but I think this game is really going to be kind of their prove us what you really are game. Now, the Saints still without Drew Brees. Teddy Bridgewater did look good in his game last week over to Seahawks. I picked that game. Very proud of it. To be fair, it was more of Alvin Kamara than it was Teddy Bridgewater. I think Bridgewater had, I think he had under 150 yards passing in that game. It was a lot of Alvin Kamara. I still picked it, so I'm happy about it. That's fair. (laughs) Good for you. Dallas is a two and a half point favorite in this game. Very, very close to that Bears kind of spread there. It's kind of that pick em game right. where you really – I mean, I, I, I had a little trouble picking this one. I mean, Dallas, in my opinion, is a Super Bowl contender. Michael will fight me forever on this because he'll let his little bit of a – Dallas is a Super little, Bowl contender. little bias in there, but I'm not wrong. They're 100% a Super Bowl contender. They're a Super Bowl contender. The I way think they're playing they right can now. Be. I think they can be, but I think we have to see how this game plays out because I think this game – you're right, Patrick. This game is going to determine – is Dallas for real, or did they just play three easy opponents? Okay. And I think that New Orleans right now, I think they're worth out Drew Brees, and I think this is going to be a problem for New Orleans because I think when you don't have a top three NFL quarterback in there, then your chances of winning are going to be a lot lower, especially against, in my opinion, I think Dallas is a pretty good defense. I think they have a good linebacking core, decent secondary, and very good pass rush. Um, but you know what? I will say this. And I know we were arguing about Dak Prescott before the the show began, commenced. But I will say, and I'll give Dak Prescott some credit, he has made some pretty good plays. He's great on his feet. I like him against that Saints defense. And I like Ezekiel Elliott in this game. And I think that this game is going to be close. I think it's going to be, you know, the game's going to be scored in their 20s. I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think it'll be too high scoring. But I think it'll be interesting. And we're going to find out if Dallas is for real, especially because it's in New Orleans. But I think Dallas has a shot to win without a doubt. 
Yeah, Kellen Moore has kind of revolutionized this Cowboys offense. He's making it creative. They've got some different looks out there than they did with Scott Linehan. And I think that's been largely a big reason why Dak Prescott is succeeding, why Ezekiel Elliott is succeeding, why Amari Cooper's been playing out of his mind. Why Randall Cobb. Michael Gallup's hurt, but he's also been playing very well. So he has a lot of playmakers, and he's using their strengths. He's showing different looks. He's keeping the defense on their feet. And that's exactly what a good offensive coordinator does. So... I think that's a huge credit to the Cowboys' offense. Also, um, Seattle, New Orleans' defense has been struggling this season. So Their secondary is trash. It's been it's it's been not good to say the least. So they need to find themselves, especially in a game like this, where you have two high-powered sides of the ball in Dallas coming to town. So Teddy Bridgewater is probably not going to lead you to a victory on his own in this one. You need to figure it out on defense if you want to beat Dallas. All right, quickly around the table here, I'm going to go. With God's team, Dallas Cowboys will win this game. I'm going to give you a touchdown. I suck at score predictions, so I will not do that. Michael, you're next. Um, I, Patrick, I, you know, I'm going to agree with you. I know I was a little bit skeptical, but I think, you know what? Dallas has a shot to win here. I'm still going to go with New Orleans to me because, A, New Orleans is at home, and, B, um, I think their offense is pretty darn good with Alvin Kamara and uh, Thomas, Michael Thomas. But, um, you know what? I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be fun. And you know what? I'm looking forward to it. Sunday night football. I think Patrick is wised up after seeing my pick prowess that he has agreed with me on all these games. I'm not being left on the island like I was last week. I'm pick, I'm also picking Dallas in this game. I just think they're more high power than the Saints are, especially without Drew Brees. And I think they'll be able to take this game. All right. We're going to do our upset picks here really fast. Running short in time here before we head off the break. My game, Ravens and Browns. Baker Mayfield, wake up feeling dangerous. He's going to win that game. There are only there are seven point dogs, so uh, that's a very, very unlikely upset. But I'd like to see it. I like Baltimore. I think they've had a, a rocky start to the season. I think they'll pick it right back up and be con- contenders for their division. So I, that's my game. Baker Mayfield is going to lead the Browns to a victory. Mark my words. I think Baltimore's offense has been one of the top three in the league this season so I find it very hard to believe that Mayfield will be able to keep up with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens the way they've been playing but we'll see how it goes I personally would not have taken that one but all right uh I'm gonna go with an upset pick here Carolina and Houston um I think Houston is pretty much pegged to win this game because a Houston is you know it's very very good offensively pretty good defense and I think they're favorites to win the south if I'm not wrong um, but I will say Carolina, I'm not going to underestimate them, and I'm going to pick them in this game because uh, Kyle Allen has been very fun to watch and very, very excited about him. A little bit disappointed that we're not seeing Will Greer at this point, but he played really, really good last week, and I'm excited. I think this will be a fun game. I'll pick Carolina. Yeah, that's a good point. He threw four touchdowns. It was against the Cardinals, but he did throw four touchdowns to get that secondary. Speaking of the Cardinals, I'm picking Arizona over Uh-oh. Seattle as my upset pick. Seattle's defense has allowed two touchdown passes to all the three following quarterbacks, Mason Rudolph, Teddy Bridgewater, and Andy Dalton. I would venture to say that Kyler Murray is better than all three of those guys, maybe, and he has been playing better than all three of them this season, maybe with the exception of Dalton. But I think that he can come in, he can get some work done with his legs, he can get some work done through the air. I think there's a distinct possibility that Arizona comes in and beats Seattle. Also, it's a divisional game. Those ones sometimes are kind of crazy. So Arizona's my upset pick for this week. Fun. All right, we're going to head off the break here. When we come back, we're going to recap a little Mizzou football and maybe maybe a little bit of more college. You're listening to Corner on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU.FM. 
driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Tune in to Triple Threat on KCOU 88.1 FM. Catch Kyle Jones. And so then he said, all right, well, I can't wear my helmet. I'm not playing. Chance Stickland. I think that Bama every single year is the best college football team. And Cole Toosie. If Trubisky can get it done, the Bears will win a Super Bowl. He's the key. Tune in every Thursday morning from 11 to noon, only on KCOU 88.1 FM, KCU.FM, or on the TuneIn app. You don't want to miss it. Don't forget, every Saturday this fall is a KCU Sports Saturday. Listen to your favorite KCU Sports shows every Saturday, all day long. Catch No Huddle, Mizzou Football, Basketball, and more every Saturday. It's not just a Saturday, it's a KCOU Sports Saturday. A great showing from the Missouri Tigers last week, beating South Carolina, finally getting the monkey off their back, lost them three straight years. It feels good. One, being a fan, finally seeing Mizzou beat South Carolina. I watched that game last year in my in my dorm room. It was not a good day. I felt really bad after it. It's like I just got kicked in the shin and just kind of left there to die. It was it was. I'd rather not talk about last year's game, but this year's game was a lot of fun. I went there. It was Logan's first college football game, so I got to bring him and show him around, have him get the full experience of college football. It was a lot of fun. Do you want to hear something crazy? What? All right, Kelly Bryant. And I don't know if this was a couple years ago or if it was last year. I can't remember when this happened. But Kelly Bryant led his team to victory in Columbia over South Carolina a couple years ago. This year, he led his team to victory in Columbia over South Carolina. I mean, it was okay. a different Columbia, but I do I still, do very much enjoy that. Still. It, see, I South Carolina is known as the could other be Columbia. Cursed. I mean, this is, the only, this is the only Columbia that matters, in my opinion. Just saying. <laughs> okay. So. I right. think that <laughs> All right. I think that this was Kelly Bryant's Ignore worst, the national champions. I think that this was Kelly Bryant's worst game as a Missouri Tiger. I think he had his moments, although that offense never really got going. There were a couple drives where they looked on, but they never really got going a whole lot. And I think there's a lot of credit to the defense who obviously Kale Garrett had the fumble recovery in the end zone and there was that pick six. So I think the defense helped them out helped the Tigers out a lot in this game. And I think that's what I want to see more of moving forward because we were concerned about this defense to start the season. And I think they've shown us that they can put together a great game and they can make a stop. Now, also, Ryan Helensky was in for South Carolina, and that's their backup quarterback. So credit where credit is due, but they looked very good last weekend. That, that pick six is probably one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. That just being in the... At Faro, when that happened, was insane. The whole place was shaking. It was one of the best plays I've ever seen in person. Now, granted, that's a very small sample size. Right. I haven't gone to many football games in my life. I've been to a lot of Mizzou games in the last year and a half. That's the best play I've seen out of Mizzou in recent memory. Oh, that was crazy. Crowd yeah. going nuts, people jumping up and down. It was insane. It was like the beast quake with Marshawn Lynch. I mean, it was, it was just crazy, the crowd just yeah. going wild. He- I loved it. It was great. He took it the length of the field, and when he caught the ball, yards. when he picked it off, they went wild because it was a one-possession game at that point, and South Carolina was getting ready to tie it. So the place was already going wild, and then the fact that when he reached the 50, there was no one there to catch him anymore, 
the the whole place went nuts. The atmosphere there was incredible. I and love the call too. Call was great. I, I want to put pose this question to y'all. If Mizzou doesn't lose to Wyoming in the first game of the season, would we be would Mizzou be ranked? I, I think one hundred percent. Yeah, I think so. One hundred percent. I totally can see that. I also think that um, the defense has really bounced back. I think that people really underestimated Mizzou after that Wyoming loss. I think we underestimated Mizzou after that Wyoming loss. And I think my I have my issues with Barry Odom. I have my issues with Derek Dooley, um, and how that you know defense played. But you know what? They came full circle. They played very, very well. More power to them, and they've they've shown that I think that they've come all the way back from where they began. Yeah, I think there's a possibility if they keep winning games like this, a commanding win, that there's a chance that they do end up getting ranked as the season progresses. Now, what that'll mean remains to be seen, given this bull ban that's still still looming over them. But don't remind me. I think they have looked very good since Wyoming, and I think the top 25 may start to take notice in the next couple weeks. Now, they are on bye week this week, so they can't lose. <laughs> also can't yeah. win, for that matter, but sure. But they come back, play Troy at home, week from Saturday. Easy win, that should be. Should be an easy win. Now, now wins are easy in college football. We've seen teams true. choke things away. Not to mention, I, I love to bring up Virginia Tech's loss to Old Dominion. One of my favorite upsets in recent memory can bring but up Appalachian State over Penn Appalachian State as well. Appalachian State over Michigan. You lose Michigan? two things. Yes. I'm talking about a few years ago. Are, Not, are we talking this 2007 game or are you talking like because the, the most famous one of the most famous upsets is Appalachian State over Michigan. Then I'll take the L on that one. I, I always <laughs> thought it was Penn State this whole time. Oh, so. no. Oh, oh, no. What about Citadel? I know they didn't win. What, and I know it wasn't close. Alabama holding them close for a half. Yeah, they that were was tied. tough on the watch. They were tied against, you know, of all teams, Alabama. So that was crazy. You're right. No, you know, should win is is the statement to make it's, there. It, Not it, definitely. It, that's that's the key word. You should. should win. Like Missouri should have beaten Wyoming at the beginning of the year. Yeah, they should have. You know, I just I had to figure this out. Appalachian State, Penn State was a game last year that went into overtime, and Penn State did end up getting the win there. So that's what I was thinking of. I'm positive. I thought Appalachian State had pulled off the win there, but Appalachian State and Michigan. Maybe we're not giving Appalachian State enough credit. Well, a- Appalachian State, before moving over to FBS, was one of the best FCS schools. Right. So that's why people, when when you mention that upset, a lot of people say it's the best one. But really, Appalachian State was a very good football team. Yeah, I feel like we're we're you know we're you, it's not just acknowledging what they've done people, over the years. Th- th- yeah, they forget. That Appalachian State was really good when they right. were in FCS. They won a couple right. championships. They were ranked, of course. They ranked one in FCS. They were really, they were a really good team. Right. And a lot of people forget about that when they mention that upset. It's not like they were playing SEMO. Yeah. When any unranked team beats a ranked team, though, I feel like it deserves recognition. So I think it still was an upset, but yeah, maybe a bit more than everyone gives it credit for. Right. And I think the SEMO game, I think, was definitely a case versus, uh, you know, we could see an FBS versus an FCS team. And I think that that was that just proved everything that I thought about before the game started. All right. We're going to head off to break. We come back this week in baseball. You listen to KCOU 80.1 FM on KCOU FM and on the TuneIn app. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah, he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update! I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. KCOU is proud to partner with the good folks at Dismal Niche Arts to present the 5th Annual Columbia Experimental Music Festival, October 3rd through 6th, featuring KCOU favorites Makaya McRaven, Juliana Barwick, M. Dumokhtar, as well as a wide supporting cast of creatives. Founded in 2015, the fest has sought to highlight artists international, domestic, and local for a weekend of ticketed and free immersive multimedia showcases, workshops, and dance parties designed to inspire critical thought and appreciation of esoteric art forms in the community. Showcases will occur throughout historic downtown Columbia venues and locales, including a very special KCOU presentation of West African psych rock sensation M. Mokhtar and special guest Yasmin Williams at Cafe Berlin on October 5th. Purchase passes, view the full schedule of events, donate, or simply learn more about the fest and Dismal Niche, please visit dismalniche.com or find Dismal Niche on all major social media platforms. Columbia Experimental Music Festival, October 3rd through 6th. Broaden your perceptions, challenge your sensibilities, and prepare to get dizzy. For over 50 years, KCU has provided Columbia with music, sports, and news coverage. You can only find right here on 88.1 FM. The only way we can continue to deliver this content is with your support. Please consider donating to KCU 88.1 FM by going online to kcou.fm. Once you're there, click on the Donate tab. You can either donate to the KCU General Donation Gifts Fund or the L.C. Chandler Scholarship Fund, which goes toward giving an out-of-state broadcast student a scholarship and to support our sports staff. The students of KCU 88.1 FM, thank you for your support. It has been a very interesting week in baseball. The Cubs mathematically eliminated for the first time since 2014. It's kind of a weird feeling coming off of this season. Being a Cubs fan, it's kind of, it feels out of the norm. Now, granted, I lived with pain for a long time. So getting back into that pain is a little different. But in other news, Twins clinched the Central. Yankees and Astros are going to win their division. Actually, already have won their divisions. The Brewers clinched a wild card spot. At least Cardinals have also at least clinched a wild card spot. They are in the lead in the Central. Dodgers clinched theirs a long time ago, so it's not worth mentioning. The Braves also clinched the East. So, a little look in, into standing so far. It's more about wild cards. Brewers have a chance to take over that NL Central lead if the Cubs do a magical sweep of the Cardinals, which I don't see happening, frankly. Joe Mann already said he's not going. He doesn't care about the Brewers at one bit, so I give him props to it. I like that comment. He's going to play his backups. Now, granted, it helps you guys. I'm not really... I mean, at this point, I really don't care what happens. So, I mean... Joe Madden can do whatever he wants. I don't think he should be listening to the Milwaukee Brewers. I really don't think that you know the benefits of the Milwaukee Brewers are, are any of his problem or concern. I think that every team in the league has to be out for themselves and win games on their own. And if you're Milwaukee right now, you cannot be dependent upon anybody else. That said, um, I'm very, very impressed with how Chicago has played over the last couple of years. I know this year it's been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, I will give credit where credit is due. I think Chicago has had their issues, but they did sign Kimbrell. And I think that, um, to your point, Patrick, you know, I agree with you. You know, Cardinal fans really have not had that much depression to deal with. But I think the Cubs have shown that 
they're going to be there for a little bit. And I think if they make the right moves this offseason, they could be back in contention. And I think that's a very important thing to consider. The Cubs should make offseason moves, trade Schwarber, sign Castellanos, right. do a lot of get a new manager, whoever that may be. I, I don't think Joe Mann will stay a Cub I don't think so for, either. for the rest of time. I can see him going to the Angels. He has a connection with the Angels. His dad was an Angels fan. He carried his angels, his dad's angels hat when he was in the dugout during the 2016 World Series. So that kind of job opening just kind of seems like something he'd take. I and think I wouldn't so blame too. him for him. And as a matter of fact, I, I thank him for everything he's done for the Cubs. Right. And as much as I fought him, and as much as I texted my parents, my brother, <laughs> hashtag fire Madden, so many times I've done that, it's more of just, it's in the moment. Looking back at it, what he's done for the for the Cubs, for the city, has just been a great thing. And all I can say is is thanks. Right, I th- and I also think that it's like the Red Sox with Terry Francona. I mean, you know, he he did give them their championship, and I think they're very appreciative of what they did. But you know, you know when it's time to move on, and I think it's time for the Cubs to move on, and I think it's time for Madden to move on. I think both sides can be happy if a deal's worked out. And now we're going to go to the American League. That American League wild card is still being fought. Did it come down I can't to this it. weekend? Indians, two games back from the Rays. A's, I don't want to say almost, but I think they're going to clinch at least that wild card spot unless they just blow up, which I don't see happening. But the Indians, they're going to be just like the Rays were last year. They're going to win 90 plus games and not make the postseason. It's, 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 it's kind of now. Now that record is inflated due to the American League Central just being one of, probably the worst division in baseball. Right. I will get yelled at by people who I know who are Twins fans, <laughs> but I don't care. It is one <laughs> of the worst divisions. See, Oakland has three games left against Seattle. Tampa Bay has three games left against Toronto, and Cleveland has three games left against Washington. So there's a huge difference in power between those. The um the Indians and the Rays and the A's and even if you are the Indians you still need one of those teams to lose two of those while you win two of yours against the Nationals so I just don't see it happening they, I think it's going to be they, Oakland they and Tampa they need a miracle they do oh they, they need do. more than that they need there's a, nothing when, when someone says they need more than a miracle you can't just say oh they need more than that is there more than a miracle they need the that's that's like, that's like saying nine out of ten people recommend this you know I think that might even be higher. That's 10 no. out of 10 could recommend something. No. You know what? I just want to say this. If you're Cleveland right now, I think the odds are probably in the favor of Tampa Bay and Oakland getting that spot. I don't think Cleveland really has any chance with who their opponents are playing or who their the, the competitors in that in that wildcard race are playing and who they're playing. I think we could all look at that and say, you know what? Cleveland's not getting in it. It's going to be Tampa Bay and Oakland. However, we've seen crazy things happen in baseball before. So now they're not ra- again. You can have that that cursed game one sixty three. Cursed. That, cursed. That, that can happen. I've heard people mentioning it happening between the Brewers and the Cardinals. Yeah, that's possible. Now, granted, you don't as a as as someone who's been in a playing game, you don't want that because one, you're 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 almost screwed for a wild card game if you lose because your number one guy is thrown in that division in that division championship game. Then if you lose, you lose that guy for the one-game playoff, and you're going against another team's number one guy. You don't want to be in that situation. Now, the right. Cubs stretched it to 10-plus innings, but really there was they, they weren't going to win that game. To be fair, I think that having the choice between a division and a wild card, I you think is— You want that division. You right. want that division. You Without don't want to play that play-in game. Without a doubt. Although I will say you do have a sense of comfort knowing that, you know what, either way we win or we lose this game. 
we'll be in a better position if we win it. However, we're still in the postseason. So yeah, you can say you can get the booby prize for saying, yeah, I made the postseason <laughs> still lose. That's quite I mean, I, I just think that that's like overtime losses in, in hockey. You get that one point. My saying, question Here you is, go, you lost. Who Congrats. do you who do you start in that in that uh, 163? Do you start your best pitcher or do you start your your second guy with hopes that if you go into the game where your back's against the wall, you have that number one? That's a question that I always ask. I, I last year the Cubs went with went with Quintana. He threw against the Brewers. Now he had a history of throwing against the Brewers and playing well. I can see whoever's in that game 163 going with a guy who who has dominated over that other team in the division. Right. Now whether it's I really don't have a name off the top of my head for the Brewers because that pitching rotation hasn't good. exactly been good, but they have been good in this month. Right. 17 of their last 19 games. They have won. It's been outrageous. I'll talk to them about them later. They're kind of my team of the week. Little spoiler. <laughs> but you need, if I'm the Brewers, I'm. you got to win that division. You I don't, I don't want to play the Nationals. Especially, I, don't wanna play, I don't want to play Scherzer in D.C. You don't want that. You don't want that at all. You especially don't want to play Scherzer in D.C. If you start your number one guy in the division champ, in the division champion game. Because then... You know your backs are against. Well, you have your number two pitcher up against Max Scherzer, so and that's that not, just makes you, it, that's that's a matchup that you don't want. That right. just makes it much harder on you, yeah. Especially against a Nationals team, that's that's been f- eight out of their last ten. If they're in a five game win streak, you, right. now you de- you definitely don't want to play them. And if they knock out the Indians this weekend, watch out. I I would not want to play the Nationals. And the Nationals are very dangerous, and I think a lot of people at the station underestimated their abilities to do things this year. I underestimated them. I'll admit it. I said the Phillies win the East. I I said the Phillies win the East. So I'll I'll eat my words. I've already did that. You've you've right. Throw me under the bus a couple of times. I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm just talking about fans in general around you know anywhere. And I think to you know I think I agree with that. I think they were not a good team at the beginning, but they came back and they soared. I mean they were incredible. And And that's and that's what's so good about baseball. Right. There's always, especially during the regular season, one game doesn't mean everything. Right. Unless you get close to that wild card game at the end of the season. Yeah. But now we're going to go to our award ceremony here. As you know, player of the week, pitcher of the week, and team of the week. This is the last time we will do this for the regular season. An entire season we've almost done minus summer because we were not here. But I'm going to go first. My player of the week, hitter, hitter of the week, is Trey Mancini of the Baltimore Orioles. He won last week. 13 for 26, 500, and only striking out four times. Wow. Wow. Trey Mancini is the one I chose last week, so yeah. a little a little, back, a little back-to-back action here. A repeat for Trey Mancini. I think he's only the second guy to have done that, even despite it being different people who chose him. You're up. Michael. All right. I'm going to say my hitter of the week is going to be Anthony Rendon. Um, I think all season he's been very, very good. I think he'll be, you know, whether or not the Nationals can work out his contract, I think he's going to be a huge, huge up in anybody's uh, offense and defense. If the Cubs sign him, uh, that would be incredible for them. But I think Anthony Rendon's been great this week, and I think he's been great all year as well. Yeah, knowing you guys know me, I like kind of little statistical anomalies. For example, Reggie Bush having 12 carries for negative three yards and a touchdown in a season. Little stuff like that. So I chose Garrett Hampson of the Colorado Rockies. A 370 average over the past week, four home runs. And the one that really stuck out to me, four stolen bases this week. Wow. In the past week. Wow. So not something you see often. Figured I'd give a little credit and my love for stats, statistics shows out in this one. <laughs> Pitcher of the week, NL potential Cy Young Award winner. Jacob DeGrom, 2-0, 14 inning pitch, zero runs. Wow. 
None. Zits. Nothing. He is my Cy Young winner, in my opinion, in National League. Hold on. Did you just say Zitch? I meant Zilch. Zilch. He was in awe of how well DeGrom has been playing. Um... I, you know, I think you win this automatically because I think DeGrom's been fantastic, but I think Kershaw's been really good, too. It's why he's my pitcher of the week. He did have a game against the Padres where he only allowed five hits, six innings pitched, seven Ks, one walk, so he's been pretty good. But my heart wants to say DeGrom for the year has been the best, and I think he's been amazing. My pitcher of the week is Zach Greinke of the Houston Astros. A no-hitter through eight innings, ended up giving two hits in the ninth against the Mariners but very close to that no-hitter. Two hits, one walk, nine Ks, no runs. All right, final before we go to break here. Pit team of the week, again, the Milwaukee Brewers. 9-1 of their last 10. Again, a surge without Christian Yelich. Pitching is finally shown up, and they're in, they're, that NL Central title could happen. So team of the week, two times in a row, Milwaukee Brewers. Michael, you're next. I hate it when you and I pick the same team. I hate it every time we do that, but I really don't think I can have an alternative for Milwaukee. I think they've been flat-out incredible, 9-1 in their last 10. Been very, very hot so far, and they're, they're making some serious noise. Well, I'll give you an alternative you could have had for the Milwaukee Brewers, Michael, and I took the Minnesota Twins this week. Clinched the AL Central for the first time since 2010, so it's been a long time without a division title for Minnesota. They get it again this week. They're my team of the week. All right, as you know, that's the final this week in baseball for the regular season. We we will be back. Postseason predictions next week. It'll be a lot of fun. It's going to get a little heated in here. I already, I already Hand know. Hand me some tissues, I already man. know. Hand me but some tissues. We're going to the break, and we come back. The final word. You're listening to Hot Corner on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU.FM. Tissues? From college to MLB, join me, Taylor Renee. And me, Emma Hayes. As we discuss all things baseball on KCOU Sports, first and exclusively female talk show, A League of Their Own. Tune in every Wednesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, or online at KCOU.FM. KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU Sports. When you hear that, you only know one thing. It's time for the final word. I love it. I'm going to go first. My story, as you know, is usually something weird, a weird competition, a weird sports story, a prank that someone played. But this this one is a little more festive. As you know, it's going to September, so Oktoberfest is back and starting in many cities across the United States. Now, many think of Oktoberfest as just being about beer. But they also have a mixture of competitions, include seeing who can hold a stein of beer for the longest time. That's in Denver. I'll be talking about that next week. They're, the winner of that gets sent to the real Oktoberfest in Munich. Or tug of war, which also has been played at many Oktoberfests. Now, on September 19th, Cincinnati began their Oktoberfest Cincinnati with Z's instead of C's. Which, for those of you who don't know, is the largest event in the United States. How do you open it, you may ask? It wasn't a parade. It was instead the running of the wieners. You may ask what that is. I'll explain it to you. It's a race to determine the fastest Dutch hound 
in a city. According to ABC7 Denver, 100 dogs dressed in none other than hot hot dog costumes raced to kick off the Oktoberfest. The winner was a one-year-old dog named Maple. Congrats to us all from the Hot Corner Maple. Defend your title next year. I'll be reporting on it. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds amazing. That's Michael, incredible. you're off. Is this the first story you've had where you're actually following an event for multiple weeks? I think it is. It's Oktoberfest. I got to keep it festive. All right. Got to keep it festive. All right. Uh, my hero of the week, and um, I think there is some bias here because he is a cardinal, and I think that this is something that uh, I've been kind of been sitting on for a long time here, but I wanted to bring him up. Jack Flaherty has been fantastic this year, not just you know with how well he's pitched, but I think his – you know the, the offense of the Cardinals has historically not been great when he's he's pitched. I think he's been very very underrated this year, and he's my hero of the week because he had no hitter going, still lost the game, but he had a no hitter going and could have been my pitcher of the week, but wasn't. Um, I had to pick him for my hero of the week. I didn't want to do the same guy, so he's been he's my hero of the week and he's been fantastic. Good for him. My feel good story this week comes to you from the wonderful city of Saratoga, California. I have no idea where that is. It's, Never it's heard around it. the Bay Area. <laughs> it comes to you from a high school called Prospect High School, where there is a football coach whose name is Rob Mendez, and he was born with a rare disorder called Tetra Amelia Syndrome, leaving him with no arms and no legs. He moves around in a motorized wheelchair. And he couldn't play football as a child, but he did love football, and he learned he learned it by playing Madden. Some of his plays as a football as a high school coach even come from Madden, straight from Madden. So in his first full season as a head coach, he led the Prospect Panthers to a playoff berth and a near-perfect season. He says, Who says I can't is an original statement for myself to always be determined and stay hungry in life. It always kept me hungry. I love when the kids say nobody because it's true. Nobody but yourself can hold yourself back. That's what I've realized over the years. He calls himself also not afraid of failure, and he wants to be bold. It's just natural to be bold and to try things in life. Eventually, you'll come across your passion, and for me, it was football and working with people. Who says I can't was something that was very much for me to always stick with, and I hope people take away from it in a positive way where they are comfortable to motivate themselves to do whatever they want in their life. So I ask you, Hot Corner listeners, use Mendez's story as a guide. When you commit a challenge, look at it and ask yourself, who says I can't? Wow. I love that. There's some motivation y'all need for this Friday, which reminds me that this is the end of another episode of the Hot Corner. Make sure to follow us on our social media at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick Carrion, Michael Imami at Imami Michael, and Logan at The Logan Friends. Also, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcast services under name The Hot Corner. You hope you have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend, and we will see you next week. Same place, same time. This has been a Hot Corner, signing off. Hello, I love you, let me jump in your game. She's walking down.